What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Wait a minute. Did I say Tales from Tech Support? No, this is malicious compliance. Sorry. Oof. Losing my damn mind. Sorry about that little glance off to the side there. I was checking my uh, audio levels. Make sure I ain't blasting you out or whatever. Anyway, I was informed that some of my personal stories are a little long-winded, and uh, so I'm going to try to cut back on them a little bit. I can't totally cut them out because it's just part of who I am. Hopefully it won't chase you guys off, uh, but I am me. And we had sprouts last night. Tonight is uh, broccoli microgreens. These are going to green up. They just came out of blackout, and they're going to green up for like another two days-ish, and they'll get a little bit of height and growth on them. I got the light turned off right now because uh, it messes up the video. But anyway, all right, on with the stories. The time my office became a daycare. At my workplace, we have an internal employee site where we can make announcements, post project updates, etc. For each post and comment, you can see the employee's name and a small profile photo. Most profile photos were normal, but it wasn't uncommon for someone's photo to include family, pets, or the person in an action situation, like skiing or running a marathon. Nothing insane. Post-COVID, people sometimes started adding other kinds of flair and icons to their photos. Could be a sports team logo, a pride flag, or whatever. Around election 2020, the situation began escalating. Some people changed their photos to elicit more charged emotions, like Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, religious symbols, or just straight endorsements for some politician that was clearly meant to rile up another group. Since we were just in a state of total effort at this point, a few brave individuals even changed their photos to anime, and one guy who shared a name with a famous person set his photo to a picture of the musician because he thought it was funny. HR stepped in and rather than just say no political imagery, they probably didn't want to bother defining political, and honestly at this point I didn't blame them, they made the rule profile photos must be a clear headshot of the employee on a plain background. No other person, animal, flag, or other icons should be visible. You are permitted to wear a hat as long as it's a solid color and abides by other stated guidelines. They claimed this was due to people displaying images that did not depict themselves or included a group of people, which made it difficult for people to connect names to faces. But we all knew this was because of the political crap show happening internally. Next week, Cumulicious Compliance. The rules did not state that the photo had to be recent. Dozens of employees set their profile photo to be their baby photos. HR must have gotten a kick out of it, and were probably just relieved the internal political war was over because a couple of them even joined in. Anyway, that's the story of how I worked at a company full of children. You know, we all have our beliefs, whether it's religious, political, you know, what goes on pizza, whatever. Who cares what other people think of your opinion? And why would I care what other people's opinions are? I'm not saying that I don't care or things don't occasionally get on my nerves, but it's not enough to get into a battle over, quite honestly. In most cases, you're not going to win no matter what. You're not going to change the other person's mind. It really doesn't matter. Live your life. You know, not everything needs to be a crusade. So anyway, just my two cents. And uh, yeah, people are childish. It is what it is. Badass aunt. Not truly malicious. Devious, sure, but malicious? Probably not. One Thanksgiving at my parents' house when my niece was five and I was in my 30s, we both told my mom we only want Cool Whip for dessert. Neither of us like pie all that much. Mom, okay, but only one spoonful. I look at my niece and say, hold on. Run to the kitchen and grab the two biggest spoons I can find. You all know the ones, the huge serving spoons that probably hold at least a half a cup when piled high. The grins on our faces were huge. Mom kind of chuckled and filled our spoons. 
20 years ago, and my niece still thinks I'm the bomb for coming up with that idea. It's a little malicious, you know, but in a kid way, which in a nice way. Wasn't hurting anybody. Cool Whip's not that expensive, and it was a holiday, so eh, I'd have let it go too. In fact, we've got some spoons here that with, you know, pre-done Cool Whip probably would have held more than a full cup worth. I'm just hoping my kids don't get that idea. Don't calculate the table's bills the moment you get their order ticket. It makes it hard to keep track. <laughs> you got it, boss. Hello, friends. This is my first post on the Malicious Compliance subreddit. While it may not be as juicy and dramatic as a number of the ones I've seen, I just wanted to share something that happened to me today while I was at work. Info. This does not take place in the US, Europe, or Australia. This is set in Asia. I won't clarify where since it's not important. Just wanted to give you guys some context. For starters, I'm 23, a university student working part-time at my aunt's restaurant to make a little extra moolah. Edit. Mint moolah, spelled M-O-O-L-A-H. Before the academic year starts. My job is pretty simple. It's an all-around job where I need to take people's orders, send tickets to the kitchen, calculate each table's bills, handle payments, and clear tables. Too long didn't read, I'm currently working part-time as a waitress. I'm only here until the end of this week because I secured another gig elsewhere before the academic year starts, so I figured why not finish this week for a little extra cash before then. I get along with most of the staff, all of whom are a decade or so older than me, and said individuals work at the restaurant full-time. There's another part-timer, 19, who's working here and he comes to work whenever he's able since he's studying too. He wasn't around for a couple of weeks, so I've been left to sort out most waitressing matters. My shifts during lunch hour get particularly busy, which is why my system, keeping the workflow super smooth, is a crucial point to this post. The moment after bills have been settled, tables need to be cleared immediately because new customers come pouring in and some insist on being seated even before the tables have been cleared or wiped down. I came up with a system in the three weeks that I've been working here that works for both myself and my colleagues. Upon receiving tickets for orders that have been received, I always key in their order according to the table they're sat so that it's less time consuming in the event other customers want to settle their prospective bills respective. Man, I can't talk today. Customers are expected to come to the payment counter when they're ready to pay, so this system is a lot easier and much more efficient than letting tickets pile up and only calculating the bill right when the customers are about to pay, which results in a longer line. I always make it a point to ask customers if their food has all arrived, if they were satisfied with the quality of their order, and if they ordered anything else that I hadn't seen on their tickets. Once they verify their orders are correct, that's all. I go about my day and mind my business. That was until the other part-timer approached me earlier today. His point was an eyebrow raiser for sure. I'm not the type of person to pick fights or argue, so since he was so insistent that my way of doing things was making it difficult for him to keep track of additional orders at each table, I decided to just let him have at it since he was so happy to tell me how to do my job. I simply smiled and nodded at him, making a beeline to the cleaning supplies and thinking to myself, you want me to stop punching in people's orders? Sure thing. For a solid hour or two, I only collected the tickets, bringing them to the cash register and letting them pile up, just as he requested. When I noticed customers stand up from their seats and making their way to the payment counter, I would speed walk to the cleaning supplies and start collecting plates to show that my hands were occupied and that I wouldn't be able to sort out people's bills. I left it all to my dear coworker who tried telling me what to do and how to do it. It was the right call to make because the line that followed due to his insistence on changing the system snaked about halfway through the restaurant, full of customers waiting their turn to pay their bill. Once lunch hour had died down, I smiled to myself and went back to keying in people's tickets the way I always had. My part-time coworker sheepishly approached me with the new additions to existing orders since then. It's funny, I can understand why it would be difficult for somebody who's used to doing things a certain way why they would think that it's more complicated, even though it's not. 
you know, sometimes you got to sit back and watch. And what he should have done was probably asked you for more clarification on your system or something like that. You might have been able to convince him, but hey, this way definitely sealed the deal. So good for you. No harm, no foul. Things still got done either way. So Toddler calls my bluff. I'm not 100% sure if this is malicious compliance as such, but it's thereabouts without my son realizing it. So when my toddler started to be able to climb out of his cot at just over two years old, we had to put him into a big boy bed. Of course, this would mean that he could get out of bed whenever he liked, and of course, like all toddlers, that was all the time. So I used to read him stories until he fell asleep and exit the room. This worked for a while, but then one day he made me read stories for over two and a half hours and was still awake late at night. So I had to come up with a plan that didn't have the chance of hours of storytelling. I started telling him we'd read five stories and then lights off and time to sleep. Sometimes it would work and he'd stay in bed and sometimes it wouldn't. He'd be in and out of bed too many times to even count and need more stories to fall asleep. So then I started to tell him that I'd be back in a minute to read the extra stories as I had to do something and that I'd be back. Then in my absence in the dark, but with a nightlight on, and with his sleepy music on, he'd fall asleep, naturally while waiting for me, even though I was never coming back. This worked for a long time until he started asking me where I was going. First time he asked, I thought, what would be a place he'd know he couldn't come with me to? I know, the toilet for a caca. This also, God, I can't say that word without laughing. This also worked for a good while, but then all of a sudden it didn't, and this is where the malicious compliance of sorts comes into it. Daddy has to leave the room for a minute. I'll be right back. You stay here, okay? Toddler. Okay, but where are you going? Me. I'm going caca, but don't worry. I'll be right back in a minute. Toddler. No, stay. Me. I really need to go caca, so I can't stay. I'll be right back, okay? Toddler. You really need caca? Me. Yes, I'll be right back as soon as I'm done. Toddler. Okay, let's go caca then. <laughs> Me. No, you stay here. I'll go caca on my own and come straight back. Toddler. No, I'll come with you. Then you can come back to bed with me after. Basically, this went on for ages. A tug of war, a battle of wills, and finally the stronger of the two of us prevailed, and the weaker of us gave in. So yes, my toddler escorted me to the toilet like a man with a hostage. Sat on the step next to the toilet and made me take a crap that I absolutely didn't need and had no idea was even there. All the time eyeballing me asking, you finished caca yet? When I finally had finished, he escorted me back to his bedroom to carry on reading more stories like I had always said it would happen but never did as he'd fall asleep while I was out of the room. I got my bluff called by my toddler and in a weird way I'm actually proud of him for calling me on my stuff, literally. After that, I never told him I needed a caca ever again. Yeah, I still can't say that word caca without, uh, without giggling like a little school kid. But anyway, yeah, good for that toddler for calling you out on your stuff. I can't say I've never tried anything like that. Uh, and I've been called out before too. So yeah, got to be careful what you say. They will take you literally and hold you to it. Oh, well. Get your manager here so we can talk to you about your manners. Equals have fun looking for a new job. So my dad had a compactor-related story here. Seems fitting that I would have my own dad. My company takes safety very seriously, to the point we have safety briefings on the regular to keep us updated. Yesterday we had a talk on compactor safety. One of our big rules is to never, ever, under any circumstances, climb into a compactor unless it's unhooked from any power sources. Sounds like common sense, right? Well, dear reader, as you're about to learn, apparently common sense isn't that common. After getting our briefing, we get our assignments and are sent on our merry way. I go to my area, clean it, and pull trash. 
As I'm walking to the compactor, what do I see sticking out of it but two trousered legs? After the shock lasting a nanosecond wore off, I start yelling. What are you doing, you idiot? Don't go crawling around in there. I know I shouldn't have yelled, but I was so mad. Well, Mr. Idiot fell out and starts yelling at me. Don't you go yelling at me. Where's your manager? Get them here right now. Malicious compliance mode activated. I put on my sweetest smile and say, of course, I'm so sorry. Let's get my manager here. Mr. Idiot smirks and is like, good girl. So I call my manager over and ask her to come over. What? Meanwhile, Mr. Idiot is smiling like the cat who got the cream. I'm fighting to keep from smiling because my manager, Miss Heroin, takes safety as seriously as I do. I've seen her reduce full-grown men to tears over safety issues. Miss Heroin shows up and Mr. Idiot says, you should train your workers to not yell. Miss Heroin turns to me, and why were you yelling at him? Because I caught him climbing into the compactor and I got scared he'd be crushed. In an hour a second, Mr. Idiot goes from looking like contented cat to looking like a scolded dog. After a sound verbal thrashing, Miss Heroin calls Mr. Idiot's manager. Within 30 minutes, Mr. Idiot was clearing out his desk, still smelling of garbage. Yep, rules is rules, and uh, you got snagged and somebody was yelling for your safety. Uh, I don't know why it made them mad, but hey, you want to crush yourself in a compactor, that's on you, pal. I'm not cleaning it up. Salesperson keeps convincing me that I need carefree plan for my new furniture. We recently bought a new home, and it's a lot bigger than the old one. A trip to the furniture shop to pick out some replacements. The salesperson was completing the cart, and right before we closed the ticket, he kept trying to convince us to buy the extra care plan. He gave all the runaround scenarios like, do you have pets, kids, guests that will visit, etc.? One of the things I came in for were bar stools. I got four of them and asked if I can just buy a care plan for one bar stool, and he says yes. Okay, for $14.99, I bought the care plan that will cover for five years, and I'll claim the warranty if any chair breaks. It has no barcode, so they won't know which is which. I think the guy realized when he gave me the receipt, because he smiled and said, that's sneaky. Oops, too late. Actually, that's genius. That's pure genius. I would have never thought of that. I mean, I don't buy the care plans anyway. Most of the time, they're nonsensical. They're not worth what you pay for them. You know, everybody always wants to sell you the extended warranty for a computer or a TV or whatever. And nine times out of ten, you know, I'm better off playing the odds on this one. If the TV lasts me a year or two, it's actually cheaper in the long run to just go and buy another one. Because half the time, there's some sort of deductible or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. Most of the time, it's just not worth it. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.